Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, for one baseball team in the state of Mississippi, it was a good weekend. Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles stay red hot on the diamond. For the two teams that reside in the SEC, it was not a great weekend. Mississippi State swept at home by Arkansas. Ole Miss losing two out of three on the road to Missouri. And so here we sit with six games left in conference play. I think it's just six left in the regular season. Has Mississippi State got a midweek game left? They do. They have two midweek games left. Oh, okay. So eight games remaining for uh, Mississippi State. And I think it's just six left for uh, Ole Miss. I know they don't play this week with finals going on. Uh, in the uh, the midweek, uh, there is work to do just to get to Hoover. Just to get to Hoover, there is work to do. Hey, Dad, do you think there is? It, it doesn't matter uh, in terms of work. To the do. work is done. It is over. I, I can't get you to do it. I can't. I can't. I can't no, do it. Because, I've tried because I've seen I, sports just, play just out say before. It. I've seen sports just play say out it. so many times. Stick a fork in them. I mean. You were in mid-January. You I, basketball is dead. You were ready to tap out on basketball in mid-January. They're two weeks from the season being over. These teams are six and eighteen. There's still work to do. The only work's left to put the coffin in the ground, put the say the sod over the top, say Math, a prayer, and walk away. Mathematically, both Mississippi State and Ole Miss could still get to Hoover for the SEC tournament. Um, but neither of them control their own destiny. No, and also, even if they get to Hoover, neither of them have the pitching to get there. Stick a fork in them, they're done. As I always say, thank God for Southern Miss, uh, because... Uh, <laughs> you always <laughs> As I always say... You love banging that drum, don't you? Yeah, uh, you know, what's interesting, before the Coastal Series, actually, we said they control their own destiny, and, and they did, and, and losing that series has given them one speed bump, but this winning streak has made hosting a reality again after that Coastal Series. How about salvaging that Sunday game? You asked Scott Barry about that, yeah. and how important that was, and it turns out it's really important at this point. The only thing against them is uh, is RPI. Coastal is 12 spots ahead of them in the RPI. Yeah, but you know what? Southern Miss is up to 24 in the RPI. They are. Uh, so hosting is within yeah. grasp uh, for sure. I mean, they, right. they've got to win these next six, I think, to, to stay in the hosting conversation. They, def- they need to get – they can't lose next weekend with ULM. 
or, I'm sorry, this weekend with ULM. That's 246 RPI. Can't have those losses. Yeah, no. And then when you play Louisiana at home, I mean, just winning the series would probably be enough, but they're hot right now. They've won 10 straight. I asked him last week when I had to jump in, I said, you know, do you feel like your team is starting to peak? Yeah, the answer to that question is yeah, and Tanner Hall is starting to pick. That guy is untouchable these last couple of weeks. Southern's in a really good spot. I feel bad for him next year because, you know, last year State fell off. This year it's State and Ole Miss. Obviously the trend is Southern Miss will be bad. All three will be bad next year. We'll be talking about football in early March next year. But until then. But if the trend is holding forth, I would guess that Southern Miss fans would be more than happy to take the national championship this year and worry about next year. That's a good point. That's a good point. If that if that trend can hold, yeah. Could, could you imagine? I mean, just <laughs> could, uh, imagine. At, at that point, Southern fans, as soon as they were like, they would be so happy, they're winning, and then they would look around and they go, "Oh God, oh no, oh no, <laughs> what no, what have we I don't done?" Think they would. But, what what was winning the championship worth is a question that I've got friends asking me now. Is you know, it's not. You. I had a friend text me and said, "It's not so fun anymore." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, well, then tell your friends to scroll back through the pictures on their phone. Yeah, yeah true. Just in true. case they need a re- but, Hey, by the way, this it's is on YouTube if you just want to you know, live through it. Yeah. yeah, This is Sports Talk Mississippi, Monday afternoon with you, coming from, uh, as always, the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online to book a tee time or plan a trip. You may have a few weekends open this year that you wouldn't normally have in late May and early June. Great time to get away for golf. Beautiful time of the year, starting hey. to warm up. Looks like it's going to stay warm finally. Uh, DancingRabbitGolf.com. Warm but not hot. Perfect yeah. golf weather. Yeah, yeah low 80s. It's we're we're outside, real good. Yeah. We're, uh, we're real good right now. Uh, hey, Dad will be complaining about temperatures before long, but uh, that's okay. And, and then he'll be counting down the days until it gets cold outside again. Uh, you can be a part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business. It's backed by world-class IT uh, professionals who live where you do. That's right here in ceasefire country. Check them out today online at ceasefire.com slash business. We will talk with Scott Berry coming up in about, oh, about six minutes from right now. The, uh, is that right? No, about ten minutes from right now. Scott Berry will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. And, uh, as we talked about just a moment ago, they stay hot. They get, uh, they get three this weekend at home. Winning streak is up to ten. That includes some midweek games and it goes back to uh, that Sunday win against Coastal Carolina and Conway three weeks ago. They're playing their best baseball of the year, playing their most consistent baseball of the year, and they're really doing it in all facets. They have scored double-digit runs in, oh, what is it, like 11 of the last 14 games? I may have made that number up, but they've been swinging it well, and that was kind of their issue earlier in the season. Offensively, they weren't keeping up with what the pitching was doing, but the pitching has been good. The bullpen has been good. Defensively, they've been pretty good. And offensively, a lot of confidence at the plate right now. So good stuff for Southern Miss. We'll talk with Scott Berry about that coming up in uh, in just a bit. So I guess let's start with Ole Miss briefly. They started their series on Thursday night, had a nine to two lead in that ball game, and they stopped uh, their series in about the sixth inning. And middle of the sixth inning or so, uh, bottom of the sixth inning, Missouri came to life offensively. Ole Miss couldn't get any stops in that game. They lose game one. Was a final ten to nine, eleven. I think it was eleven to nine on Thursday night. Eleven. 
And then Ole Miss gets beat 13 to 3 on Friday in game two of the series, and it came unraveled for them in the fourth inning. Had a chance to get out of the inning with a double play. Instead, an error, a couple of errors compound. Missouri has a big inning, and then they run away with it. And Mike Bianco in his post game press conference talked about that. He said it went from disappointing to embarrassing. He said, you know, it's one thing to get beat, it's another thing to get embarrassed, and that's not acceptable. Uh, Brad Henderson, in the post-game interview, asked him about his message to his team, and he said very succinctly, you you don't want to hear that right now. Uh, and then an absolute slugfest on Saturday in the series finale. You know, we'll talk I, more about one of those one, one of the players for Ole Miss when we get to winners and losers this afternoon. Yeah. And the Rebels do salvage the game. They get the uh, the Saturday game with an offensive onslaught. Scored 20 runs in the win. Well, see, I, I knew, or at least I think, that, uh, or thought that Pete Golding was going to be a really good thing for uh, for Ole Miss. It's just, I was wondering about personnel in, in year one. If they're going to be able to field a defense that can really shut down uh, offenses in the SEC. And yet, here we go, holding Missouri to only 14 points. That's... Uh, it's a really good day good. at the office for Pete Golding and his defense. Yeah, but you know what? You give if you give up fourteen, but you score twenty, you walk away with a win. Absolutely, that's a that's, that's right. just all around good. Although you got to wonder, D- not though. darts, not darts, best day at the offense, oh. but he did enough to win. And Judkins, you know, there were the late, the late heroics. Wait, what? It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was baseball. Yes, that, it was, that is uh, a great. Typical Sunday SEC score. Everybody's just out of pitching. Like let's just let's just get through it as best we can. The, before they deaden the bats. That that's what yeah. that felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ole Miss was ahead fifteen to ten going into the bottom of the seventh inning, and then Missouri hit a uh, safety in there. Yeah, they got a uh, an RBI double, and then a sacrifice fly, and that made it a three run game. Ole Miss added a run in the uh, in the top of the eighth. They added four runs in the top of the ninth inning, and uh, they got the win. And then Mississippi State in uh, in Starkville this weekend. They host the Arkansas Razorbacks. I mean, look, credit where it's due, I suppose, to ourselves. Yeah. We, you go back to January, and we were looking at the schedule, and we looked at the final four weekends of conference play. We're like, ooh. Oh, goodness. They got to go to Knoxville and then host Arkansas and then go to Baton Rouge and host Texas A&M. What a brutal stretch to uh, to finish the game, uh, to finish the year. And the first six of those 12 have indeed been brutal. Um, as, expect, as expected. And, of course, I mean, State's national championship team got swept at home by Arkansas. The 2019 team that went to Omaha lost three straight at Arkansas. And Arkansas just had Chris Lamonis's number. So even if this was a good team, I, I wouldn't have been overly surprised by Arkansas coming in here and doing that. But the way they're playing right now and the way they played this weekend, you can't be surprised at all. You, you can only be surprised that the games weren't worse in the margin of victory for Arkansas than they were. Hey, silver yeah, but- lining, they're catching LSU at the right time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> LSU loses the oh, series goodness. for the first time this year. Kind of full of yeah. it today, I guess, aren't I? But Ole Miss uh, catching yeah. Auburn at the wrong time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, of course, uh, a the Bush Thompson team Ole getting Miss... better when at the end of the season and figuring it out on the mound. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We will talk with Scott Ferry, head coach of the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles, on the other side of this break on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. 
You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. Go little Rolling Stones on a Monday. Speaking of rolling, that's the Southern Miss baseball team. I'm right glad you now. caught that. Ten in a row for Scott Berry's ball club. He joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line right now. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Scott, first of all, I can't tell you how happy my co-hosts are, Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, that I actually caught a cultural reference, but they went deep enough back that I actually got one. <laughs> well, I know they're they're hard to uh, hard to get excited. So you you've done well. I, I have uh, I have done well. <laughs> so uh, how about the weekend for uh, for your ball club, South Alabama, a team you know well, a team that you're familiar with. You faced them in non conference games for I guess all the years that you've been the head coach. You get them at your place this weekend in a Sun Belt Conference series and get three good wins: six four, six four, and six one. Yeah, they really were. You know, South Alabama coming in, I felt like on paper we're, we were looking at ourselves, in all honesty. We were a little better ERA by about 60, 60 points, but, you know, not much. Everything was pretty even from there. So, But our guys really competed and played well. We got outstanding, you know, starting pitching from our – from our three starters, uh, you know, two of those two of those three games, Friday and Saturday, saw us behind right off the bat in the top of the first. But you know, offensively, we've been doing some really good things, having some uh, really competitive situational at bats. Uh, really like the attitude and purpose that we have been having at the plate, and and honestly, after three games, we deserve to win, Richard. Tanner Hall. Um... You, you can tell me that this is a really stupid thought, um, and, and I won't be offended if you do, but sometimes in sports, having some adversity or, or kind of getting knocked around a little bit turns out to be a good thing. That's what we saw what three weeks ago when, when he faced a, a really good Coastal Carolina offense. But the last two weeks, he has just been incredibly good. Eight innings this past week, nine strikeouts, two walks. Is there anything to the idea that, I don't know. That game against Coastal was a little bit of a wake-up call for him, or was that just one of those ah, it happens in baseball nights? No, I'll be honest with you. I think it was a wake-up call for our whole team on that Friday and Saturday. Not just not just Tanner, not just Billy. You know, I don't think you can just isolate it to 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 one individual or two. I think it was our whole team, and you know, we gave up 35 runs in the first two games, and. You know, I mean, you uh, you probably ask anybody, they probably didn't think we were going to win the third game. But, you know, the challenge was is that we got punched in the face, kicked in the face, however you want to say it, really, really bad. And and I was glad to see our, our team get up and, and do something about it and salvage that third game. And, you know, if, if that's what it took to, to get us going, then certainly we've benefited from it. We've, we've learned from it. We've created some momentum, and with Tanner, I mean, we've seen once again why he's our Friday night guy, and and it couldn't have been any um, more of an example this past Friday where South Alabama's first two hitters, it's it's a it's a single, then a double, and now you're second and third, and nobody's out, and you're kind of like reminiscent of Coastal Carolina of, of three weeks before, but then all of a sudden he does what. Tanner Hall does, and what you want your Friday night guy to do 
He takes a runner at second and third, nobody out situation, and South Alabama only gets one run on a sacrifice fly. And and then he does his stuff to, to minimize that inning to only one run and, and then allow our, our off to really get going after that. So uh, you know, I think uh, I think we all benefited from getting punched in the face, if, if you know, to, to tell it truly. So, I, I think we talked about it last week. Offensively, seems to be a lot more confidence at the plate, better at bats. You, you've been swinging the bats kind of as a group better. But one of the things that stood out to me, kind of looking at the box scores from this weekend, is. The guys just didn't strike out much. I mean, seven times in the first game, I think only four in the second game, and, and then seven yesterday. And maybe seven is more than you'd like in a game, but I mean, in today's college baseball world, you know, only striking out that many times over the course of the weekend shows pretty good plate discipline, and I would think a pretty good approach. Well, it, you're exactly right, and it, it puts pressure on the defense to make plays. It, it gives you an opportunity to possibly get on base. I mean, not, not, there's not a whole lot that comes good out of a strikeout if you're on the offensive side. Um, so, you know, having those better at-bats, those more competitive attitude-based with a purpose, you know, and when I say with a purpose, somebody might ask, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's not always a base hit is what we're looking for in that situation. It's moving a run over. It's getting those sack flies, those all-important runner at third, less than two out sacrifice fly situations and not missing on them. Every run is so important, and I think that's what has been the key offensively with us as as a team the last 10 games, and not to mention that we're getting linked out of our lineup now. Our lower half of our lineup is starting to produce, so it's not taking us you know, a dull two innings to get back around to the top of the order where, the, where those guys have been the most consistent. Anytime you have a lineup that's, you know, one through nine that's tough to pitch to, uh, it makes it so much more difficult on that, on that opposing team to, to navigate through there. And, and I think that's been a big key to our success offensively here in this kind of, this run that we've had. Scott, over the last few years, we've talked about chemistry and, and the importance of that. And some teams have it and some teams don't and some teams develop it early. I'm curious if if you sit back, and obviously there's a lot of baseball still to play, if you've kind of looked at this team from opening weekend to where they are now, have have they developed a a more kind of close-knitness to to what they bring to the ballpark, maybe even a toughness that wasn't there at the beginning of the year, or maybe that you even questioned at times along the way? Yeah, I think so. I think we've, you know, the first half we were up and down. We were searching for a lineup. We were searching for our pieces in the bullpen. Uh, people were getting opportunities. Um, there wasn't that consistency that you were looking for to, uh, to establish those guys that were going to be the ones that go out there and win you games. And I think when you have that, your chemistry still is trying to get figured out. Uh, anytime you have a lineup, where everybody knows these are the best nine guys because there's a reason they're the best nine. They've shown they're the best nine. That's the teams that are going to have the best chemistry because the others now understand, accept their role, and are willing to play it because they see that these other guys have separated themselves. And I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, uh, tough on, on anything. That's just the way it is. I mean, there's, you have to have those guys that separate themselves. Everybody wants quality players. Everybody wants depth. We're all trying to sign that. But at the end of the day, 
There's only nine guys that can go out there at one time and compete uh, at, at that at that time to win a game. And uh, and I think that's kind of where we are now. The trial and errors are over. The guys in the bullpen have established themselves as the most consistent. And that's that group that we've been relying on. I think position player-wise, we're pretty well settled in there, except for maybe a one position or two where we might platoon, where we match up a little bit. But outside of that, yeah, I think we're rolling pretty good because everybody understands who's supposed to be out there. Maybe uncomfortable for me to ask you this, so forgive me. Um, 32-15 and 15 overall, 24 in the RPI, or at least I think that's the number. What do you think you've got to do to play yourself into one of those 16 host spots? <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, you and I That was a polite before. chuckle. That was like, I can't believe you just asked me that. Well, no, I just, I don't, I don't, I, honestly, I don't think about that. I don't look at that. I don't look at RPIs. I don't look at projections. I don't look at, I don't look at any of that because I learned my lesson back in 2015 when I felt like, after studying it and and trying to control it and and it didn't happen, we were the last five out. I made a vow then. I'm not I'm not going there anymore. You know, the only thing I can control or have a have a part in controlling is the way that our guys show up to play that game that we're supposed to play on that schedule. And 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 I want them thinking the same thing. I don't I don't look. You know, you said the RPI. Earlier on the Eagle Hour, they said the RPI, and that's the only reason I know the RPI is because, you know, I, I, I can't all of a sudden say, Richard, let me know when you're getting ready to say it. I'm going to plug my ears. I mean, it's just part, <laughs> Sorry it's part of that. what I do. No, no, it's just part It's part of it, but I don't wake up and go straight to it and see where it is. I just I choose to just go a different route with everything and know that the only way that you have a chance of achieving your goals is you've got to win, bottom line. you just got to win. And you got to keep winning, and you've got to give that committee and those that make those decisions a reason not to to keep you out or not to give you a host. However, it is. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of games left to play, hopefully in this season, and you know we just got to concentrate on taking them one game at a time and and playing that game. And I think our guys have really kind of bought into that in all honesty. I don't think they've really gotten sped up and, and all this stuff. And we've been through enough ups and downs this, this year that we hopefully we've learned our lesson and that the way you play this game and go about it is just an even keel. You don't live on the highs and you don't dwell on the lows. Six left in the regular season in the Sunbelt Tournament in Montgomery. Coach, thanks as always for your time. Keep it up. All right, Richard. Thank you. Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We've got more with you right after this. Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Is there a reference I'm supposed to get here? Oh, no. That was just a, a one-time thing today. We're just going full on house of paint. Got it. Got it. I mean... Baseball for state and Ole Miss fans is kind of a house of pain, so we could go with that. 
I thought like maybe we we're just supposed to jump around to a different topic and, or something. And then pack it up, pack it in. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reference. I found it. Borky was lying. He did have a reference there. Did you like Scott Barry's response? I know it's hard to get those guys excited, so I hear you. <laughs> that was great. Love it. Uh, Southern Miss. So uh, Warren Nolan RPI has them at 23. D1 Baseball's yeah. RPI has got them at 24, so they're in that same neighborhood regardless. 32 and 15 overall. Help me out. How are their differences? And what formula does the NCAA use? Uh, I typed in NCAA baseball. Oh, wait, hold on. Here's the actual NCAA one. I just missed it. Um, they got Southern Miss at 23. Okay. So we'll go with Warren Nolan. It's fine. It's really close regardless. I, I, I don't know the answer to your question, but it's close regardless. Um, maybe... D1 Baseball has a proprietary formula that closely mirrors the one that the NCAA uses but isn't exact? I, I don't know. That's the best answer I can give you. But inside the, kind of inside that number, that RPI number, 32 and 15 overall, a strength of schedule of 40, a non-conference RPI of 70, they are 24 and 4 at home, they have no bad losses, 7-0 and against teams that are quad four teams. And the quad system doesn't matter quite as much in college baseball as it does in basketball where they put so much emphasis on quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four. But it does give you a glimpse into who, who they've played and what they've done against good teams versus bad teams. Against teams that are quad one in college baseball, they're 7-6, and 11-6 against quad two, 7-3 against quad three, and they are undefeated 7-0 and against quad four teams so far this year. So no bad losses on the resume. Well, there was some wisdom in what Scott Berry said. You know, you can't, you can't control it. And what he didn't say, but I think it's okay for us to say, is you, you can't control it when you're playing in the Sun Belt or you're playing in Conference USA. You can kind of control it when you're in the SEC or maybe the ACC. But, I mean, if you win... 17 games in the SEC, you have controlled the fact that you are going to host. There's not necessarily a magic number if you don't play in the SEC in terms of wins to be able to host. And so what I was going to say with the with regard to the kind of wisdom, he knows they just got to win as many as they can. If they go 6-0 and over their final six regular season games, that means they're at 38-15 and going into the Sun Belt Tournament. If they do what Haydad said a second ago, they don't drop one this weekend against ULM, and they win two out of three against Louisiana, then they're 37-16. and 16. If they go win three games in Montgomery to get to 40 wins, they have an RPI that's right around where they are right now, there's a legitimate case. Is it good enough? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's good enough when it's all said and done. I mean, you can look at some of the teams that are ahead of Southern Miss in the standings, and there are a few that you're pretty sure are not going to host. Alabama is 11 and 13 in the SEC. They're not hosting. I mean, I guess if they won their final six games, they might, but that seems unlikely that they'll go six and zero in their final six games. Um, 
You know, Miami at 14 and 10. That's a very much a fringe hosting resume. UConn dropped out of the hosting projections last week from D1 baseball. They had them as a two seed on the road. They're at 17 in the RPI. You know, it's, Kentucky's got the number one RPI in the country, and if it happened today, Kentucky absolutely would host. They've got 14 SEC wins with six to play. They had a huge weekend series win. win. They have not only the number one RPI, but the number one strength of schedule. Follow-up question. Feels like... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it feels like just looking at this top 23, right? Mm -hmm. There's like two or three teams you can just take out, right? They're not going to host. And so that, you know, Southern is very, very much in this mix here. I mean, Indiana State's not going to host. Campbell, I don't think, is going to host. So, I mean, just take them out. Speaking of really good. Alabama's not going to host. Right. That's the one that I would for sure scratch off. NC State's not going to host when they're three games below 500 in the ACC. Right. So, yeah, when we talk about 15, 16 seed, Southern Miss is, is right there. And they have a great chance. They got to handle their own business. And gosh, they would love to have one of those games back against State, Ole Miss, and that and that one against Alabama. If they could have just one more win in there, it'd be a really good boost for their uh, their resume. But they're on the precipice here. They just got to keep winning baseball games. Good news, well, they're playing their best baseball right now. The question, though, is if they are unable to surpass Coastal Carolina in the Sun Belt, if Coastal wins the Sun Belt, are two teams? From the league, I mean, getting a host spot. Yeah. If I, didn't you have four from Conference USA last year or three? I think Old Dominion was a one seed in somebody else's regional, but I mean, yeah. If you have two top twenty RPI teams, well, I guess yeah. it would depend on where the the Southern Miss losses came from that would have Coastal not win. I mean, yeah. you know, if they tie with an identical record, or I mean, and the, another question is. Will the winner of the conference tournament matter? What if they both get to the championship? You know what I mean? Or right. see, I don't think conference affiliation matters as much in baseball. That's good. It's comforting. Nah, I don't either. Um, but RPI does, as you mentioned, and, and thing. I'm just wondering, kind of, if we had to say, what do they have to do? What has to happen? Is it exclusively control your own destiny, meaning that you have to win the last six and you have to win the Sun Belt tournament, or is there flexibility? Uh, can they go five and one over these next six and, and not win the Sun Belt Championship and still host? Like, where, where do you think that that gauge is on? You know, what's the minimum that they can do to still have that argument to to be that host, especially over somebody like an Alabama that you See, mentioned or NC State? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think Alabama and NC State are two that you just throw out. They're just not going to get there. You play in a power league and you've got a below five hundred record. Maybe that's good enough to get you in the in the tournament, but uh, it's certainly. Now, and, and yeah, we'll see where Alabama finishes. We'll see where NC State finishes. That's good enough to get you in, but it's not necessarily to get you enough to host if you are in one of those leagues. So Campbell, for example, we were talking about a second ago. They're 36 and 10. They're 19 and 2 in the Big South. But 23 of Campbell's 46 games have been against quad four opponents. That means they have beat up on a bunch of bad teams. 21 of their 36 wins are against quad four teams. UConn, 
15 of their 46 games against Quad 4. So Southern Miss has played a better schedule. They've got a better strength of schedule than either of those teams. And so, you look, I mean, I think Coastal Carolina, barring some kind of a collapse, is a lot to host. You know, assuming they don't collapse over the final two weekends of the regular season, there's going to be postseason baseball in Conway, South Carolina. Your, your, so your RPI, if it, I hate doing the if it happened today because it doesn't happen today and we don't know what the final two weeks are going to look like. But right now it looks like Kentucky's hosting. Wake Forest is hosting. South Carolina is hosting. LSU, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. Those six, absolutely. Duke, mm-hmm. probably so. Boston College. Boston College. I mean, they're eight in the RPI, but they're only a game above 500 in the ACC. Boston yeah, well, College Florida is a maybe. Florida's going to host. Well, yeah, I just hadn't gotten down to them yet. I was just kind of working my okay, way down okay. numerically. I, no, I yeah. paused on Boston College, and, and the reason I paused there is because I think the committee would love to stick a regional in the Northeast. I think either Boston College or Connecticut, barring a, an absolute collapse in the final two weeks, one of those two teams is going to host. Indiana State? I don't know. Playing in the Missouri Valley. Virginia at 10. Coastal Carolina, I think, yes. Florida, yes. Clemson, maybe. How about year one for Eric Backage at Clemson? Stanford on the West Coast, absolutely. That is the first West Coast team that we've gotten to. Yeah. Maybe the only West Coast team that has the potential to host. Next best RPI on the West Coast is Oregon at 26. After that, Oregon State at 31. There's just not many options out West. The projections the tomorrow are going to be interesting. This week, so. yeah. Is it tomorrow or Wednesday when they come out? It's Wednesday, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was Tuesday. Yeah, maybe. Either way. Either way. So there's a legit chance for Southern Miss. They just don't play in a vacuum. And that makes it hard. Because there's not, to answer your question from a second ago, hey, or Borky, there's not like a, if you do this, then this. It's like, you got to do this, and we got to see what everybody else does, too. Mm, from the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. I am always flabbergasted by what people say when they have an open microphone. And we have come to a place where even accidents 
It's been a rough week for that. Uh, even complete accidents with no malice intended whatsoever can certainly get you suspended and maybe get you fired. Um, Bob Huggins may be next on that list. Not saying that he should be. I'm just saying that he may be. I don't even know how to pair. He, he, he was... Apparently some guys on a Cincinnati radio show called him up like he wasn't necessarily scheduled to be a guest. Is that the is that the context, Borky? Like they called him just to ask him something. One of his former assistants is maybe one of the hosts on the radio show, and they just called him up, and he's joking about, why would I want, you think I want to talk to you guys? And they get him telling kind of a story, and then he kind of digs his own grave for no particular reason. Yeah. I do find it interesting that the tweet from Awful announcing censors in the tweet the word that he says, but has a video where the, the word is said unedited. I find that odd. It's If the word is so offensive that, that you have to yeah. edit it, then edit it. Then, then don't just, I don't know, I, I, I probably should have taken a different approach if I were them. What, what I would say is, because it... The way it's it's edited, right? It's F dash dash dash. What? Where? It could be a couple of things. Uh, yeah, I thought it was so something maybe the, other than maybe what it like, was until I listened to the audio. Yes. All right. So yes. if you're listening I thought, right now, I was like, you're maybe like, that's a chance. You guys are talking in generalities, and I have no idea what you're saying. I'm sorry. You're just gonna like. I'm not gonna get anywhere close to it. Yeah. I, no. And, and so, if you want to Google or do a Twitter search of Bob Huggins. Yeah. You can quickly find the audio and listen to it yourself. We're going to avoid that text from HR today. We're not getting that. Text. So, but the, the different there, there's been a couple of other high-profile things that have happened, both of which clearly accidental, and I think both have led to terminations. Right? It, didn't the A's promote one of their minor league the guys A's to fire come that up guy? Uh, either did way, they fire. No, he's been suspended. He's been suspended. A clear all right, all right, accident, so, but so, yeah, in this Glenn, case, no accident. Nope. Glenn Kuyper, who is the brother of, it really is kind of a small broadcasting world, the Giants, Dwayne Kuyper, Dwayne Kuyper and Kruko, what's his, what's his name? Mike the, Kruko. The analyst. Dwayne Kuyper, Dwayne Kuyper and Mike Kruko, for my money, are the best television the best local television broadcast crew in Major League Baseball. Dwayne Kuyper, he's one of those guys that when he opens his mouth, it's like you're hearing this smooth, silky, baritone. They're just really good. His brother, Glenn Kuyper, is the television play-by-play announcer for the Oakland Athletics. And he had what was clearly an accident. Clearly a slip. He was referencing a museum that they had visited in Kansas City, I think, that was a museum that celebrates Negro Leagues baseball. And in the process of trying to say that, a different word came out of his mouth. And you could tell, like, his face went white as a ghost the second that he said it. He just kind of went on with his broadcast. He later apologized. Like, I mean, it was as sincere, uh, like, uh, yeah. hey, 
And, and a, a lot of the criticism, which is so stupid, was, well, he sounded so comfortable saying it. So oh, just stop. And, and like, I, I called the College World Series the swirled wearies one time. Like, that happened on a podcast, and I published it because what the heck. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, it's possible when you're talking fast to just the words just owl. get put together, and it just uh, – that's, that's the worst of our society is that right there. Oh, he clearly was comfortable saying it. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Talk for hours every single day behind a microphone where there's no edit button, there's nothing, and tell me you wouldn't screw up words sometimes. You are going to have a slip, and you hope that it is not a slip. That You, you hope that you say the, the swirled wearies. Yeah. You, you hope that you call somebody whose last name is Smith Samson. And people tell you you're an idiot because you can't even read the name right. You hope that you don't say something that is racist regardless of the intention, homophobic, xenophobic, bigoted, etc., etc., etc. You hope that when inevitably as a broadcaster you make a verbal slip because your mind is going faster than your mouth or your mouth is going faster than your mind, that it's not something that cost you your job. Altogether different story than Bob Huggins today. Ooh. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Premier Collegiate Wood Bat League in the South as the Cotton States Baseball League is hosting its 15th season with games at BNA Bank Park in June and July. College players from Tennessee, Texas, and Florida are already committed for the 2023 season. Send your application to cottonstatesleague.com no later than this Friday, May 12th, to reserve your spot in the Collegiate League. Cotton State's Baseball League is affordably priced. It features outstanding facilities, great coaches, and an invaluable opportunity to compete and get reps during the summer for college players and -and up-and-coming junior high and high school players as well. They have complete stats packages and results that are posted nightly during the season. All of the games at BNA Bank Park in New Albany. It's a great location, centrally located, easy to get to from like an interstate access standpoint. The application deadline for high school and junior high players is June 2nd. Check out Cotton States League on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media outlet, outlets for updates. Again, the website is cottonstatesleague.com. I just, there's one line in there where it says, um, invaluable opportunity to get reps during the summer. I think I've told this story before. I was talking with Scott Strickland, the head coach at Georgia, and Charlie Condon, who is their starting first baseman, slash played some outfield some, You've seen Georgia play big, tall, redshirt freshman. They uh, they sent Condon to the Northwoods League last year. He actually left before the season ended because he wasn't on the travel roster and wanted to be like we you got to go get at bats because he was like six five one sixty five as a true freshman. He ended up with three or four hundred at bats over the course of the summer. When it was all said and done, he had more at bats in the summer than any other player on Georgia's team had 
in the regular season plus with their summer combined. That's the value of these summer leagues. It's not just, oh, yeah, I need to go play baseball. It's when you're trying to work against high-level pitching, you need reps, you need at-bats, and Cotton States League provides a great opportunity for that. Check them out online, cottonstatesleague.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com and see about all the cool events that are coming up this summer. You can buy tickets to some of those events online as well on the events page at pearlriverresort.com. It's just after 4 o'clock on a Monday. That means it is time for winners and losers. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we fill in the columns for winners and losers. Let's start with Calvin Harris. Game three of the Ole Miss Missouri series. The Rebels catcher. Hit four home runs in the game. He tied an SEC record for most home runs hit in a game. Two other times there have been SEC hitters who have gone deep four times in the same game. It has never happened in an SEC game before. You have never had a single player with four home runs in a single game in a matchup of two SEC teams, a conference game. He also had ten runs driven in, which tied a school record, and 16 total bases in the game, which set a new school record, breaking the old record that was held by Kyle Gordon, who is the all-time home runs leader at Ole Miss. A remarkable day at the plate. Don't you look at Missouri and go, uh, maybe stop pitching to him? You would think. Especially after the third what is it? I mean, is that one of the, I mean, you, you've heard this analogy a million times, but is this the right time to use it? The ball must have looked like a basketball coming out of the pitcher's yeah. hand. Yeah. Four of yeah. them. Very special day. And, and even in his teams losing the series, wasn't, I mean, you can't avoid that. He had to be, he was SEC co player of the week. Yeah. And, uh, the other on the SEC co player of the week was, Al Missouri's hitter, man. What's his? I can't remember his first name. He is a man. Yeah. Yeah. Big week at the plate. No. No. All right. So Calvin Harris leads us off on winners. Who you got, guys? Give me a winner. Playoffs. Playoffs are a winner. It's playoff season, and buddy. It's so good. Oh, yesterday was a great, great day of basketball. Sixers-Celtics was awesome, although Embiid disappeared. So much for the MVP. He does not have He already have got the, it, though. He got it, but he didn't play like it yesterday. Got bailed out a little bit. Uh, but that was an excellent game. And then the shot-making in Phoenix-Denver last night was on a different planet. Uh, just mind blowing. And then, of course, hockey's fun. Uh, Lakers, Warriors has been really good. If you're just a fan of postseason sports, buddy, you have great postseason sports happening right now. And last night delivered big, big, big time. Booker and Jokic going back and forth, and then 
the owner of the Suns flopping like a punk and then Jokic getting a $25,000 fine. I mean, just everything. You had it all. You had great basketball and then a little bit of drama today. Love it. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Well, let's stay with that. And the pride of Moss Point, Devin Booker, he, yeah. in the playoffs this year, through nine games, he's averaging 37 points per game. He's shooting 62% from the field, 51% from three. Those are absurd numbers. I mean, on a team where you know he's not the best player, Durant has still got that that title, but he has just been dominant. And and you know, going toe to toe, that's a great series, as as he as Michael just said, uh, and, and two really good, fun teams to watch uh, between the, the Nuggets and the Suns. But Devin Booker has really, really elevated his game uh, here these past few weeks. I know, hey Dad, you roll your eyes sometimes when I uh, when I throw out a golf reference. But winners and losers, you can do whatever you want. How about Wyndham Clark? You ever heard of Wyndham Clark? Yeah, me either. I, I mean, I've I've heard of him. I know who he's Barry top, Wyndham is. He, he's a top 100 player in the world. He went out and played really, really well at one of the elite golf tournaments that happens on the PGA Tour, the Wells Fargo Championship, at a course that the players love. Quail Hollow in Charlotte. Wyndham Clark won $3.6 million. This was one of those elevated events. All four rounds in the 60s. He went 67, 67, 63, 68. When he made the turn yesterday, I think he, he was either tied or he had a one-shot lead over Xander Shoffley. And he just went off in the uh, in the final round on the back nine. He birdied 10 Birdied 12, birdied 14, birdied 15. He had a bogey on 18, but it didn't matter because he had a five-shot lead at the time, and he gets a four-shot win for the uh, the victory on the PGA Tour and a $3.6 million payday. Congratulations, Wyndham Clark. Good for you. Not all of that. Not at all. Good work if you can get it. Any other winners? Winners, winners. Oh, we mentioned them a second ago. We've been we've been down on Kentucky these past few weeks. They went to South Carolina. Or I'm sorry. They, yeah, did they go to Hosted. them or was that in Hosted. Lexington? Okay, but Lexington. still got the sweep and mm-hmm. right back in. I mean, you said they're going to host. They're going to be. There should be a national seed. They're the number one overall RPI team. They have the number one strength of schedule. I mean, that should be a. a, a I mean, at worst seven or eight, you would think. So. Nick Mingione, he, he had a lot of questions about job security coming into this season. He's answered those, and he'll be, he'll be around from the year in Lexington for sure. Mage is a winner? Is it Mage or Maj? Mage. It's Mage. 15-1, to 1, cross the finish line first to win the 149th Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs, overtaking two Phils down the stretch. Like Phil was going to win anything of consequence this year. Come on. Much less two fills. <laughs> two fills, by the way, is uh, leaving the Triple Crown Racing. He's going to go run on the Live Racing Tour. I'm sorry. Bad. 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 Uh, uh, anyway, anyway, it was a uh, Javier Castellano was uh, 0 for 15 as a jockey in the Kentucky Derby prior to this one, and he won it. So very cool. Very cool. Got the winner, Borky? No, I got a pair of losers. Uh, I'll do one now and then one later. The first one is Outkick. Outkick, the coverage, wrote an article about the Tennessee pitcher going over the pitch count. 
Um, here's part of the headline. Uh, Tennessee high school pitcher smoked 16 batters and threw a no-hitter but had to forfeit playoffs because of an asinine rule that he went over the pitch count because this is why we can't have nice things. What's a little Tommy John between friends? But here's a line in the story that really um, made Mike Gunzelman a huge loser. He said, the worst part, this isn't the story, quote, the worst part, Innsworth's own coach is the one that tattletailed on his own team and reported it to the league, end quote. So you're telling me the worst part of this story is a coach, a leader of young, impressionable men, holding himself accountable and teaching them that doing the right thing is better than skirting and breaking rules to win? That's the worst part? Is a a, a grown man doing the right thing by a bunch of teenagers? Loser. Loser. And that coach is a winner. You know. Sometimes you have to stand up and own a mistake, and he did. Yep. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back with you after this. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you in the Pearl River Resort studios. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Chris Lamonis joins us now, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. And, uh, Coach, always appreciate a, a little bit of your time. Uh, obviously a, a tough weekend for your guys. I'm curious kind of where they are mentally right now and, and where you are and kind of working with them as you guys get back to work and have, I guess, what, four games over the next six days? I'm not a math guy, so I may not have gotten that exactly right. That's about right. I think you're about right. No, we um, just got off the practice field. Obviously disappointed. We knew how important this weekend was. Um, <clears throat> didn't play well. Um, you know, just just didn't play well. There's just no excuse about it. Um, and, you know, we, we got back out on the field today and worked and Got a big game tomorrow night. We need to get a feel good in our program, and we're playing a tough team, so it's not like you you got to go out there and beat these guys at Memphis and then uh, head to Baton Rouge and play LSU. So um, we can't put our heads down. You know, challenge the coaches and the players that we have to improve and play better. And we just, you know, last like ten days, we just haven't played good baseball, and I haven't been able to put my finger on it. I know we, but it's it's a little bit of everything, and we just got to do a better job. I don't know if you look at it the way we do. I remember back in January, I was taking a look at the schedule and just kind of looking at the way that it laid out. And, you know, it's like, okay, in the first half of the year, maybe there's an opportunity to pile up some wins. Second half of the year, man, that's a really tough closing stretch. But when you're in the middle of it and you have a stretch like this where it's Tennessee on the road and then you get Arkansas at home then you got to go to Baton Rouge and you get A&M, is that just life in the SEC or is that one of those where even you kind of sit back and like, wow, what what a 12-game stretch to close it out? Well, it's life in the SEC. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, I, I've said this before. Like, they should be looking at it saying, damn, we have to go to Mississippi State. You know, and uh, right now we're just not playing good enough. We're not good enough right now. That's that's on me, um, you know, mentality. But we have had a harder schedule. But we knew it before the year. Some years it's a little easier. Some years a little harder. Um, you, you make do. You, you figure it out. You know, uh, our, our early season was tough because the teams we played were on fire. So, that you know. I think our first three weeks, teams went 26-1, and one, you know, the three teams we opened up with. And, um, but, you know, we do have a tough stretch going out. Um, but, you know, there's not much easy in the SEC when you pick the coach here. 
Coach, we haven't had a chance to talk to you on this show since uh, a couple weeks ago, and in that time, obviously, you let Scott Foxhall uh, leave the program as the pitching coach. I know that had to be a very tough decision for you. Just sort of talk us through the process of how you came to that decision. You know, um, yeah, just tough. I mean, we just haven't pitched well in two years. Uh, we've had a lot of injuries, so that's, there's a there's a built-in excuse for it, but we just, you know, I just didn't feel like we were moving in the right direction. Um you know, probably been close friends for over 30 years. Families are close. Won a national championship together. Um, so, believe me, a lot went into it. Not to put him, it's, it wasn't to make a scapegoat. You know, that's, that's not what it was. Some people act like that's what it was. It just, I feel like we had to move in a new direction. And, um, you know, in defense of Fox, probably I've never seen him work as hard as he had this year, trying to do everything he can to get it done. And just our pitching's been a, and it's been tough, and we just we haven't got it going. And the ones that we do have healthy, they're not pitching to their abilities. And I just, you know, came to the conclusion after Tennessee that um, that we needed a change. You know, came down to that. Not not an easy day. Um, like I said, uh, you know, I know business is business, but you know, friendships last a lifetime, and that's probably the hardest part about it is it's a, it's a really good friend and family that that you've known for a while. And then, of course, this weekend, you know, no interim pitching coach. You were out there making the the mound visits and then making the decisions out there. Just from your perspective, how did that feel for you? It was fine. You know, probably the first couple innings of the first game, you know, but uh, I thought Cade pitched great. It just uh, – I sit there with Fox all day anyway. I probably had to do more of the advanced scouting, knowing everything. You know, we have a committee of coaches that – you know, development guys and analytics guys and my catching coach, Chiefs, used to call his games in college. So you know, we have a whole group there working on it. Um, you know, it, I just told the pitchers today, it just it showed me the game micro just because pitch to pitch, you're just so into pitch to pitch and, um, you know, making a pitch. And we've just done a poor job of making pitches at, at right times. I mean, this weekend, I think yesterday we gave up 11 runs with two outs and nine of them came with two strikes. You know, that, you know, we just, and I don't know if that's being scarred a little bit, um, not convicted enough just to be able to make a great pitch and throw a breaking ball in the dirt. Because, um, man, when guys have two strikes, the batting averages usually aren't real high. And we just had a tendency to give up some runs. Chris, I'm wondering if you're having to kind of like do a dual track thing right now, where obviously you, you got to focus on this team and these games that are remaining on the regular season, and you're trying to win as many as you can to get to the SEC tournament and keep the season alive and, and all those things, but also with an eye toward the future and what changes you've got to make to get the program, team program, however you want to describe it, back to the place where I know you expect it to be. How, how do you balance those two things at the same time? We do it every year. It's just more magnified right now because we're not having success. But every year you're dealing with the draft. We're going out and seeing kids all spring. You're trying to figure out a couple holes. Now you got a transfer portal, right? So you're having to look at that and see if you can figure out something. Um, you know, the crazy thing about like last year, because they had the injuries and they were they went over to the next year, that you know, we had to replace a ton. I don't know if ours – you know, looking at ours and trying to figure ours out. We have a really good recruiting class. Actually, our next three recruiting classes are about as high as you can be ranked. Um, we're having to sweat out some kids in the draft with this one right now, so we're having to spend some time and, and go see kids and do some stuff that way. But, um, you know, and then we're actually a pretty young team right now, you know, especially offensively that 
um, you like to keep that group, you know, moving forward because um, you feel like they could have a lot of success. And then we have, you know, in our world, we have four or five guys that have been out all year with Tommy John that will be back next year. So you add in those arms, it's 22-year-old arms that, you know, have pitched in Omaha, have pitched, and I sat on all their bullpens today. They're great. You know, they probably could pitch for us right now, but they're not eligible yeah. just in terms of roster limits. I know I've got to be careful how I ask this. I'm sure you got to be careful how you answer it. But I am curious that the the role that you found, or, or at least the role in the conversation that NIL is playing when you're talking to guys from a recruiting standpoint. I know you can't necessarily speak to that directly with recruits, but is that a conversation that's happening on a regular basis that maybe you never imagined would be happening? Yeah, well, you're right about that. I, I think the biggest part about it is is there. You know, their question is, is what are guys getting from the year before? You know, so you have a track record now. You're starting to develop, and they can kind of see some things like that and understanding, you know, bigger players. But, yeah, it's a, you know, everybody's put us in a really tough situation. When I say us, coaches in any sport, because there's a lot, there's, I mean, regulations and everything else. I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy out there, you know. And so our sport, not so much as others, you know, probably it's a lot more in, you know, football and basketball, I would imagine. But there's a handful of schools in college baseball that have real NIL, and so it becomes a tricky tricky slope there. Yeah. Hey, last thing for you. Uh, obviously, midweek game tomorrow. Then you got to go to Baton Rouge this weekend. It means you get to face Paul Skeens probably in game one unless something changes. Uh, he's a uh, he's a different breed on the mound, or at least based on what we've seen so far this season. How do you try to attack a guy like that? You know, I, you know, you try to wear him out a little bit. You know, I mean, he's still, I guess he's throwing about 110, 115 pitches a game. Um, you, you just want to have some at-bats where you battle. You know, you don't want to have a lot of short stuff. You know, the thing with LSU, you got to make them use somebody else on that night. You know, um, they've had a handful of injuries too, so their, their depth is a little, little down. So if you can, you know, you're trying to get them in one of those other games, you know, and play them as well as you can. But, um, yeah, that guy's, I mean, they say he's almost Major League Baseball ready right now, so about as good as we've seen in our game in a long time. Yeah, certainly uh, certainly incredible. Chris, really appreciate your time. Good catching up, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. No problem. Thanks, guys. That's Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Always good to catch up with the head coaches on Monday. We'll talk with Mike Bianco in the 5 o'clock hour this afternoon. You know, guys, the, the, the truth of the matter is Mississippi State's record is what it is right now. They've made a change of pitching coach. Barring something crazy, it's not a postseason team. I mean, at, at this point, and I know, hey, Dad, I know what you said earlier, but the only scenario where Mississippi State is a regional team at this point is that they get into the SEC tournament and they win the SEC tournament. And that's the same it's the same scenario for Ole Miss. I mean, that's the only option that's available in terms of, of regional play for these teams. And you're going to hear from Mike Bianco. You just heard it from Chris Lamonis. It's not like they're throwing in the towel. It's not, they're not giving up. They're not working less hard because the season is done for all Practical purposes. I don't know. It's just an observation. I think it's a hard spot for these guys to be in who are used to winning and expect yeah. to win. At the same time, though, you, you know what I say in the past. I mean, that's the minimum. 
expectation is to play hard, especially when you're talking about a coach who's getting paid a million plus, and that's what both Bianco and Lamonis are getting. I mean, they better not give up. If you're going to give up, you know, just tap out all the way and stop getting paid. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We've got more coming up with you. We'll get some of your winners and losers from the C Spire text line when we come back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. And we welcome you back to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. One of the most anticipated days of the year. Well, I don't know about that. But an anticipated day of the year, Brian Haydad, for NFL fans, the NFL will release its 2023 regular season schedule on Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. Some games, however, will be announced as soon as Wednesday when the international games in London and Germany will be announced by NFL Network and ESPN. The first ever Black Friday game will be announced by Amazon. Select contests will be revealed by Fox and CBS on Fox and Friends and CBS Mornings, respectively. In addition, select games will be announced earlier on Thursday by NBC and ABC on the Today Show and Good Morning America, respectively. ESPN's NFL Live will announce a Monday night football game at 4 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. (laughs) And then the uh, the remaining seven games on the schedule will be announced Thursday night on the NFL's schedule release show or something along those lines. But this is the this is the news cycle that we talk about with the NFL. Yes. I'm excited. And, well, of course you are, Borky. You love the NFL news cycle. I do. It's just it's the best, man. On Thursday I'm gonna put some Saints gear mm-hmm. on and uh, look at the schedule, even though we already know who we're playing. We already know who we're playing. <laughs> yeah, but, but you don't know and, when and on what network. And uh, that's ex- what time, are kickoff times associated with this? Yes. Or is it just dates? Yep. Yeah. You get it all. I believe that. And, of course, you know they can flex things as they need them, but you get the, the, the first thing. And, by the way, there is no such thing as the NFL news cycle. It's just NFL news. Yeah, there is always. There's no cycle to it. It's always happening. Well, cycle in that things cycle off until right. the next thing comes on. But I suppose uh, you you saw that they're uh, they're taking Black Friday too. The NFL has decided mm-hmm. that we're only giving college football Saturdays. That's it. You're not getting any I'll other day. It. That's a fine sure. concession. It is. We'll take like, it. Arkansas, Missouri, no longer staying. They're going to get the Egg Bowl treatment. The Egg Bowl used to stand on its own. Remember, and then the NFL was like, "Wait, why do we give them that?" The NFL took it. Black Friday, the NFL looked at college football games and thought, wait. Well, hold on, hold on. In fairness, the NFL already had Thanksgiving Day, and college football was like, hey, there's clearly a big football audience on Thanksgiving Day. They play the 11 o'clock game in Detroit. They play the afternoon game in Dallas. Let's give people a little more football, some college football on Thursday night. And then the NFL, the greedy, yep, Mm -hmm. mm, fill in the blank that it is, is like, oh, no, we'll take that. Brilliant businessmen. 
yeah. which is what they actually are. Same thing for Black Friday now. They, they wh- Why are we letting college football play that day when we don't know we're going to play that day too? I don't oh, think that's going to hurt college football, though. I mean, obviously there are people are they going to keep this game. Will they keep this plan going into next year when the college football playoff is happening and we can not have to worry about games not being on Saturdays? Will college football readjust if, if they keep this plan next year? I don't know. I, I know at some point, can... you got to play. You know, at some point, you just got to play. It's, it's kind of what I was saying when we were talking about this a week or two ago. I just feel like we've gotten to the point where college football has to say, fine, NFL's going to do what it wants to do. We've got television partners. We've got contracts. We've got games to play. We're proud of our product. We're big enough and strong enough to stand on our own two feet. And so we'll play. And if we lose some viewers, fine. But we're playing. And we're not gonna we're not gonna kowtow to the NFL on every single decision that we make. Now we're smart enough to not directly compete with the NFL on say championship weekend for the AFC and the NFC, you get killed. You get killed on those days. Yeah. But you know, if we bump up against them in a meaningless week seventeen game when we've got a college football playoff game going, so be it. Yeah, especially when it's Thursday, which will be streaming exclusively on Amazon. And now, how many of those did you watch last year? All of them, but I'm unique. I'm not typical, and <laughs> he's not. You're not. Uh, but if it's a college football playoff game or the Amazon game, guess what I'm picking, and and guess what the majority of our listening audience will pick the college football game, especially because it's easy to find. You've got your cable package and ESPN. There you go. Instead of, yeah. well, do you have the Amazon app downloaded on your smart TV? You know, so that that's great for college football. Yes, there's going to be an NFL game on the college football playoff Thursday, but it's not going to be one that's really going to disrupt you much. That's really only the diehards that, that will download the Amazon Prime app and watch there as opposed to Michigan versus Oklahoma State in the first round of the college football playoff on linear television that you can easily find. So right now, it's totally fine for college football. They're in good shape when it comes to that. Let's go to the C Spire text line and grab some of your winners and losers. Winner, Danny Lynch, had a great weekend at the plate for Southern Miss. A lot of guys did. Uh, loser. I hate to say Coach Brad Bohannon betting on his team, and and yet you did. But no, that, that qualifies. That qualifies. Winner, Greg Byrne for zero tolerance, RTR. Is Greg Byrne a winner right now? No. Greg Byrne has a a program, a department, that for the last six months has been riddled with scandal. I was asking someone, I was like, you think Greg Byrne's in trouble? And they're like, well, how's he not? And then that person thought for a second and said, well, it depends on whether or not Nick Saban is happy with him. If Nick Saban is unhappy with the black eye that Alabama Athletics has kind of given overall, and he thinks that's rubbing off on his program, then he might believe it's time for a change. If he sees value in Greg Byrne as the AD, whether it's fundraising for football 
allowing him to do his own thing without bothering him, whatever, then he's probably fine with it. Um, Yeah, and on that note, Iowa baseball had to sit a handful of players mm-hmm. for being involved in gambling. Iowa State Athletics is dealing with a bunch of players being involved in it, but, but here's something that's worth noting. Because you know that there's going to be some overzealous lawmaker trying to win a press conference somewhere that's going to do the, see, this is what game... In 2016, in 2016, of the NCAA athletes surveyed, 24% of male college athletes said that they have violated the NCAA's anti-gambling policy. That is years before it was legalized. 24% before it was legalized admitted to doing it. Supreme Court decision came down in 2018 that legalized sports betting outside of Las Vegas and Atlantic City. Since then... Slightly over 30 states have some form of legalized sports gambling. More prevalent than it's ever been. And Yeah, I mean, uh, they said up to 15 or as many as 15 student-athletes at Iowa State have been found to be gambling online. And it's across multiple sports, football, track and field. There's another sport that was in there as well. So, it was wrestling, wasn't it? Yeah, it may have been. But right now, what needs to be happening, and I'm sure it already is, because uh, I think Zach Selman and Keith Carter are smart guys, but Lane Kiffin, Zach Arnett, Chris Beard, Christoph Jans, every coach on campus in Oxford and Starkville and Hattiesburg need to have a full team meeting and say, get out your phone right now. If you have DraftKings, if you have FanDuel, if you have any gambling app on your phone, they're not legal in Mississippi, but you can get around the, the You can get around it. Everybody can. If you have Bovada, any of that on your phone, delete it now. And never touch it again. Never. I, I just wonder if you've got, and I'm not trying to be naive here. I'm wondering if you've got wrestlers at Iowa State who don't think about DraftKings or FanDuel as gambling. They're like, oh yeah, this is just like fantasy sports with some... You know, like yeah. prize money type. Like a little to it. twist. Yeah. Don't think of it as, well, I, I didn't bet on, you know, I, I, I didn't take Ohio State minus 17. I mean, that's gambling. This is just like picking six golfers and I threw 20 bucks in the pot trying to win 2,000. Yeah. Or however that works. I've honestly never done a fan duel or. DraftKings thing. It's I, I not have. worth it. It, it, it. It's so easy to lose. It's so well, much easier to lose than picking two teams, man. It's crazy. Yeah, man. But so is poker in the casino, and so is picking games. And I mean, but that's a good point because it doesn't feel like gambling. It feels like you're playing fantasy football. It's had all a good poker weekend a couple weeks ago. That a boy. Good for you. It was fun. But yeah, yeah, I mean that that I promise you, there are guys on every roster in this state that have are currently doing something like that. There's just no yeah. way there's not. Uh, a couple of others. Winner, Ole Miss softball. Their walk-off win against Alabama yesterday. Winner, Chelsea. Finally. Feel better, hey, Dad? Winner, or maybe loser. This from- we are staying up. Say we are staying up. No relegation for you? No. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon, the pitcher that took a 106-mile-an-hour comebacker to the face, got up and walked off the field with help, of course. 
loser, winner, NHL playoff scoring goals like crazy, like 40 going west. I like it. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. The friggin' wax out of here. Did you hear me? This is Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Of, uh, of statements that are floating around. First statement was from. I got one uh, more winner when you get a chance, though. I got another okay. loser that I got to share, too. We got a statement from Bob Huggins and a statement from West Virginia. It was Huggins. Wasn't a deep fake. <laughs> Incredible. You thought, it, you thought it was fake? No, some people were like, that must be a deep fake. Some people were. Which, Putting it out there is like because they called him kind of out of the blue and maybe or if, even if it wasn't AI, it was just a good impression or something. But nope, it was Bob. Uh, AI yeah, is going to get people Bob. in trouble doing stuff like that, though. You watch; it's it too is. good. It is. it is way too good. It's going to get people in trouble. Earlier today on the Cincinnati radio program, I was asked about the rivalry between my former employer, the University of Cincinnati, and its crosstown rival, Xavier University. During the conversation, I used a completely insensitive and abhorrent phrase that there is simply no excuse for, and I won't try to make one here. I deeply apologize to the individuals I have offended, as well as to the Xavier community, the University of Cincinnati, and West Virginia. As I've shared with my players over my 40 years of coaching, there are consequences for our words and actions, and I will fully accept any coming my way. I am ashamed and embarrassed and heartbroken for those I have hurt. I must do better, and I will. That is from Bob Huggins. And the uh, West Virginia, for its part, has uh, released a statement as well. Uh, Coach Huggins' remarks today on a Cincinnati radio show were insensitive, offensive, and do not represent our university values. Coach Huggins has since apologized. West Virginia University does not condone the use of such language and takes such actions very seriously. The situation is under review and will be addressed by the university and its athletics department. There you All go. All right. So now we wait for a suspension or a termination. Probably a suspension. Probably coming. But not a termination? Yeah. Huggins right. might be able to survive it. Might. Might. He's a Hall of Famer. Dan Dockett, by the way, just responded to Huggins' apology and was like, this is complete BS. Okay. Dan Dockett doesn't like many people, and I don't think many people like him. Well, who does he work for now, for God's sakes? Oh, that's right. He's without kick now, isn't he? He's without kick the coverage, so. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Here's my loser. You go, you go first. Chloe I'll, I'll Stein. Who is Chloe Stein? Nobody that you would know before, but you know now. Chloe Stein was arrested this week and charged with four misdemeanors, including, quote, falsely reporting an offense that did not occur and, quote, false alarm to public safety. The supposedly enrolled Penn State student had last texted her boyfriend saying she was being pulled over by a police officer. After not hearing from her for hours, Chloe's boyfriend and family reported her missing to authorities. 
The situation seemed dire as her family reported that they had found her abandoned vehicle on a side street. Police say they spent tens of thousands of dollars conducting a search for Chloe, not to mention the stress it put on her family and her boyfriend. However, a tip came into police that she was seen at a house less than an hour away from the supposed abduction. Authorities went to the house and found her safely there. The house belonged to one of her friends. Despite initially claiming that she had been kidnapped by someone brandishing a firearm and claiming they were a police officer, authorities began to poke holes in her alibi after learning she wasn't, in fact, for nearly two years, a student at Penn State. They were able to have her admit that it was a hoax. Authorities say she faked her kidnapping due to the fact that going to or not going to school for so long would maybe disappoint her family. She faked a kidnapping so she didn't have to admit to her family that she dropped out of Penn State. You were so close. You're so close to a brilliant scheme. And it just, it's the last little bit of execution there. Didn't work. That's a rough one. That's a rough one. My winner is, is the Starkville Derby. Went out there uh, on Saturday. And uh, what a great crowd, huge crowd down there in the in the Cotton District. Great to see those athletes run. My favorite was Dolly May, the one who had to, uh, she's on wheels. Uh, her legs don't work so well, so they put her in a, uh, they had a special uh, uh, group for her and, and similar dogs. That was fun. You'll never believe the name of the dog that won the, the final uh, race. You'll never believe who the grand champion's name was. Go ahead. Guess. Mage. No. Porky. Oh, I don't know. I can't. I'm not good with puns. Dak. Ah. It was rigged. I, I was thinking like a wiener dog pun. It was rigged. It's a race. It was rigged. So, a lot of fun, a lot of great people. I enjoyed my time in the wiener circle, enjoying uh, some free beverages and free food. Good time. And uh, looking forward to next year already. There you go. Things going to get bigger and bigger. There? A few thousand for sure. For really? sure. They raised over $15,000. Uh Oh, that's really cool. society, which I love to see. I love to that see that. That is very cool. Very cool. Five o'clock hour coming up. We'll start things off with the college football fix. We'll talk with Mike Bianco and more with you right here in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We are glad to be with you this afternoon. If you haven't checked out Genteel's website, I'd encourage you to do so. And uh, you can see their new prints for spring. You can register your email address and get 10% off an online order They've got the uh, the pants in stock, the shorts in stock, which are absolutely fantastic. I've told you several times, they're the best shorts I've ever worn. 
Uh, and I've tried just about every brand of shorts that I can think of. I, like, I don't want anything fancy in my shorts. Just like, just good, reliable. They look good. They feel good. They stay clean. Or, you know, they're like, if they get dirty, you can kind of wipe it off. All that. You got it with uh, Genteel. You also can uh, find Genteel apparel at uh, stores all over the state of Mississippi, including Harry Meyer Clothing, maybe it's Harry Mayer Clothing in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, S.F. Aldman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, and Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia. Glad to be with you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Check out uh, Pearl River Resort online at pearlriverresort.com. All right, let's do it. Um, College Football Fix. When are we getting the new theme song, by the way? For the SEC on ABC. They're still a year away. They're going to save that. They're going to have a made-for-television special instead of a schedule reveal, a uh, a music reveal. At Media Days next year in Dallas. Yeah. Have a press conference. we We love that right now. Right up until it's some sappy, bro country, Hold you on. know, like we were going to get last year, and then no, we, no, no, the, no, no, the people no. rose nope. up against it. Nope, 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 nope. Here's what's going to happen. I don't know this. It's what I want to happen. You remember last year, wasn't it for the, the college football playoff, where they rolled out the new theme music, the, the John Williams no, orchestra? that was the NFL was Thursday night. Right? Is that what it was for? I believe so. Yeah. Well, Either whatever way. it was, I would like for the SEC to contract with John Williams to write a new score for SEC football on Saturdays. The SEC should go Hans Zimmer. Go a little, little younger, a little hipper. Yeah. I like where your head's at. Yes, sir. Hasn't Hans Zimmer done stuff for Disney, too? Like direct connection with ESPN? Yeah. yeah. Hasn't yeah. he? I don't Absolutely. know. I'm sure he anyway. has. Why are you going to get a German guy to do the score for college football? Don't care if it's good, it's good. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, who did the SEC on CBS? I don't, I don't know. know. I'll have to check. Or get John Tesh to do it. I mean, he's the orchestrator of Round Ball Rock, you know? <laughs> also got a great fun fact for to spice up your life in the bedroom, you know? Maybe get a two-for-one. Maybe you go to... What? Who? John Tesh on his radio show, he used to be full of those oh, ra- in and out of songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe you go to Jesse Itzler. He did the uh, like the Knicks theme song. Even though he's like a current part owner, or his wife is in the Atlanta Hawks, he still does the go New York, go New York, go thing that they did at Madison Square Garden all those years ago. Anyway, College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Check out BuyFordNow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Uh, News out of Oxford over the weekend as it pertains to football. Not necessarily great news for the wide receiver room, or maybe it is good news for the wide receiver room. I don't know. Uh, Chris Marshall. The wide receiver transfer from Texas A&M has been dismissed from the team for a violation of team rules. Ole Miss released a statement that said basically that and said we wish him the best in all of his future endeavors. Uh, Succinct in the release from Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin was on Chris Marshall pretty hard in the spring game. 
it was clear that there was talent there, right? I mean, a lot of talent. Even in just a spring game, you could clearly see that guy can and would play in the NFL. I mean, that good. That obviously good. Yeah. Yeah. He had issues at Texas A&M. And he entered the transfer portal. It did not sound like Texas A&M did a whole lot to prevent that from happening. Ole Miss picked him up. Probably knew that they were taking a bit of a risk in doing so, but knew also that they needed talent at that position on the field and were willing to try it out. It did not work. They have moved on. And Ole Miss has a wide receiver that is in the transfer portal coming in to visit this week. Yeah. I'll give credit to, to Lane Kiffin, you know, because some coaches would just be like, this kid's talented and we got to find a way to, to make this work. He did. He, he said it's, it's, he's got to go. And if we were not as good at that position, we're not as good. I would like to give a shout out real quick to, I forget his name, but the Ole Miss fan who spent all day on Christmas tweeting at me about this kid and how great he was going to be. Good job, buddy. And a good spring. Christmas Day. Spend it with your family. Uh, Keon Coleman, by the way, is the receiver transfer visiting uh, tomorrow. Michigan State is where he's transferring from. Visited Auburn and Florida State as yeah. well. I imagine those two things State are directly recru- linked. State recruited him really hard out of high school and uh, couldn't obviously couldn't get him in the fold. Good good player, though. Proven talent, too. A guy who you're not... Mm-hmm. You look at his numbers. This isn't a guy where you're just sort of, you know, well, he's got talent based on his high school ranking. He, he's delivered in big time college football. The, the Marshall thing. I'm going to kind of bring the mood down. Forgive me. It makes me sad that that you see a, a young man with the talent and upside that he has, and for some reason he himself or nobody has in his life has intervened to, to prevent him from acting. However, he's acted to get booted from two different SEC schools before his sophomore season begins. That's depressing, man. I mean, you he he could he has the ability of a high level wide receiver that could have life altering money for his grandkids and instead act stupid. It's it's sad. It's so sad knowing that this this guy has that much potential and is just destroying it. By, by being unable to act right, it, it, it's a shame. It's Hales such a all shame. the time, man. Yeah. I mean, it's not not the yeah. first, and certainly won't be the last. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Keon Coleman, who you mentioned uh, a second ago, ten games in 2021 at Michigan State, seven catches and a touchdown. Last year, he played in 12 games with 58 catches for 798 yards and seven touchdowns. And it would stand to reason that uh, there is some NIL money that just opened up. <laughs> With the departure of Chris Marshall that would make a guy like Keon Coleman a target that suddenly you have the budget for. Oh, buddy. Light light the beacons. Did did some open up? Oh, buddy, it did. Yeah. I would would imagine, yes, that's the case. And even though the the money spent on Marshall is is now just kind of money you lit on fire um, or flashed on Instagram, uh, you're you're budgeted already for a high-level wide receiver. (laughs) Like, you're already prepared to give a receiver that money for the season. It, it feels like that would be an easy transition to just go from one to the other. You're already prepared to spend it. You may have to give a little extra, knowing that Auburn's involved in Florida State. It's kind of telling, by the way, that his quarterback goes to Auburn. Auburn's got money to burn, and he didn't just transfer to Auburn. No. 
There's something really to that, yeah. Yeah. I'll just grab this because it's random and Michael Borky has tweeted about it. If if you're looking for a futures bet for a uh, for a team to get to the college football playoff, Michigan might be a good one. Listen to Michigan's schedule this year. Four straight at home to start the year against East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. Back-to-back road games at Nebraska and Minnesota. Home against Indiana, at Michigan State. Purdue at home, at Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State at home. So tell me the games that you're worried about on the schedule. I mean, Michigan State Michigan because it's a rivalry Georgia. game, but not really? Yeah. Michigan and Georgia, their path is pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you feel like those are they're going to get in because I feel like right now Michigan is just built to beat Ohio State. If you go I mean, eleven and they, one and lose to Ohio State, do you get kept out of the playoff because of that? Because of that depends week's on Ohio schedule? State. But I mean, maybe. But I mean, look at Ohio State last year. They they they, they got in. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible though. Absolutely terrible schedule. By the way, speaking of the aforementioned Michigan State Spartans, remember when they started a season nine and two, and then their biggest boosters got together to give Mel Tucker a ninety million dollar guaranteed contract? Do you know who the biggest booster was that was behind that? The guy that flopped last. night? The guy night? that flopped last night. Now the uh, the governor of the <laughs> Phoenix Suns, Matt Ishbia. Odds makers have. It was Michigan- a great tweet. It was a great tweet that said, I haven't seen that guy get that animated since Mel Tucker started 9-2. and two. Michigan State going into the season, their over-under win projection is 4.5. And, and that schedule Ooh. is brutal if you look at it. $9.5 million. Yeah, 4.5. That is your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We will be right back. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Mike Bianco joins us right now, head coach at Ole Miss on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ole Miss drops two of three on the weekend at Missouri. In some ways, kind of a, a weird weekend. Thursday night, you probably could describe as the one that got away. Uh, Saturday, uh, or excuse me, Friday, game two of the series, no good. And then an absolute offensive explosion on Saturday, 20 runs on 18 hits. Coach, appreciate your time as always. I know in some ways probably a frustrating weekend, and then you get the game that you got on Saturday in the finale where you just ripped it all over the ball yard. No, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, especially to start off the weekend like we did, we had a nine uh, two lead. Uh, I want to say, you know, going into the bottom of the six with the Reba still on the mound. 
and uh, uh, you know felt you know you know was hopeful that he could you know get through that middle lineup that's pretty dangerous for for Missouri, uh, especially on the last weekend with the wind just you know gushing out and made the park play really small. But he gives up a leadoff homer and a walk, and uh, and then we go with Riley Maddox that obviously hasn't pitched you know uh, a lot and coming off injury and. Uh, just, uh, not, not his normal stuff and, uh, you know, ends up, you know, having a tough day of it. And next thing you know, uh, you had a 9 2 lead, you're feeling pretty good and we, we end up losing. I think it ended up 11 9. So just, uh, you know, a tough way to start the weekend. Uh, we, you know, uh, don't play well the next day, but, you know, proud of the way we bounce back, obviously, on Saturday. Calvin Harris. Four home runs. He did something that has never been done in an SEC game before. We've, we've seen a lot of SEC baseball through the years, and nobody's ever hit four home runs in a conference game before. It was an Ole Miss record, 10 runs batted in, 16 total bases. How does a guy do that in a single game? You know, uh, well, I wish I had the answer because we, 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 we uh, <laughs> do that more we, often. We, we, yeah, we'd be coaching a lot more that way. Um, you know, it's just one of those, you know, great days. Uh, certainly it was a day, you know, conducive to hitting home runs. Uh, but, you know, they're doing, when you talk about uh, SEC baseball and the first time that anybody's ever done it in conference play, uh, man, there's been a lot of good days to hit, right? A lot of days where the wind was blowing out and, you know, it's never happened before. So, you know, just a, a remarkable day. I know a day that, you know, Calvin will always remember. And, and I think, you know, all of us that were there to see it, you know, will we'll remember it. Uh, you know, I've, I've been around the game for a long time. I've coached it for a long time. I've played it. Uh, I don't remember ever, you know, a player hitting four home runs in one game, you know, on either side. So just a, a remarkable feat. And, you know, at the end of the day, we needed just about every one of them, you know, to get through that, you know, that day, that day on Saturday. And, and, and I'm not sure that if you were just picking guys, Calvin Harris would be the guy that you would guess would hit four in a game. I mean, if if you told me Kemp Alderman was going to do that, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, he they, they kept pitching to him. Um I just can't imagine what that's like if, if, you know, you hear that cliche where somebody says it looks like a basketball coming in, but it had to be something like that for him. Yeah, and, and probably even more so, you're exactly right. I mean, if you're going to pick, hey, which guy's going to hit the, the, the four? Uh, but remember, we hit six, right? And they hit six. Uh, but Calvin hit four, and, you know, Chatney wouldn't be the other guy that you'd pick that hit two, right? Right. I mean, so, um, uh, but probably more likely in the sense, I think, um, on that day where the wind was blowing out to left, uh, you know, Calvin hit, you know, two balls, uh, to right field and, uh, you know, two balls to center field. So, uh, it wasn't, I mean, he got probably some help from the wind, uh, but, but not like, you know, some of those balls going out to left field. I mean, he was kind of working a little bit against the wind in, in some regards, especially the ones going to right field. What's going on with Peyton Chatagnier? He seems to be swinging it better the last two or three weekends. Average has climbed up to, to 272. He's up to double-digit home runs. How has he made this turnaround? Because he had a stretch there where he really struggled. He, he really did. And, uh, you know, really since we started conference play, because he got off to a really good start, if you remember, yeah. Richard. But then once we got to conference play, um, you know, he really slowed down like, like a handful of guys in the lineup. But, uh, but, you know, him, especially a, a veteran and a guy that got off to such a great start. I really think it's just he's been on more time for, uh, he's been on time more for the fastball. He's been able to, to pull more balls. Uh, throughout the year, he's, he's cut down his strikeout. 
routes. He's walked more than he ever has. Uh, you know, last year at this time, even though he finished the season really strong, I want to say last year through the same amount of games, uh, I want to say he was hitting about 215. You know, so, you know, now he's up to, like you said, over 270, already a double digit hits. And so, uh, and again, we've needed a lot of those, you know, so some of those home runs, uh, you know, uh, has helped us the last, you know, few weeks with the three SEC victories. Mike, what can you tell us about health? I was listening to the the radio broadcast on, I guess it was Thursday night, when when David and Brad Henderson were kind of going through the guys that weren't available, and Clarko was out this weekend, and and obviously Mitch Morrell was out this weekend, which turned out to be a huge piece in that that game on Thursday, because that's kind of where we've seen him as that first guy at the end. Have you got guys that are are getting healthier? Are you worried about losing those guys for the rest of the year? Where where are you? All right, well, you know, the – Surely you've mentioned on your show, I would imagine that, you know, Hunter, you know, had surgery last week, so, you know, he's, he's yep. done. Um, uh, Judd, you know, Utermark, uh, uh, he's, uh, likely to need surgery. We don't know what, what, what his, you know, um, what it'll look like for him the rest of the year. Um, and that's just being honest. I mean, uh, one has to do with the rehab. Uh, but it's a, a, a shoulder that's more than likely will have to be uh, fixed you know, by surgery, not just rehab. Uh, but but not sure what that looks like, you know, you know, through the regular season now. Uh, Mitch was not on the to- uh, nor Udemar, but uh, Mitch uh, Morrell was not on the twenty-seven man. You know, we had to make a decision by Friday. You know, by the time you turn your lineup in, and it can't switch from game to game. So once you turn it in, you know, it's Thursday, I should say, on that first game. You know, it stands the rest of the weekend, and uh, just uh, a lot of uh, forearm tightness and. Uh, in, a, in a good area, not in that UCL area, but more on the top uh, area of his forearm. So he wasn't able to pitch. Braden Jones was another one that's you know had a little uh, sore soreness in his arm, and you know we had to make a decision, and we ended up picking. We thought Jones might have the better shot, but he couldn't throw either. We he was on the twenty-seven man, but um, every day when he tested it, he wasn't able to throw either. So we were without those two guys. Uh, obviously, Utamark, and so you losing Utamark, you know, got Bo Gatlin a start, you know, on Saturday, you know, who you know really responded and proud for him. Yeah, certainly played well. I, I guess maybe it's kind of a follow up to that. When, when you think about summer ball and, and your guys playing, obviously, there's a huge value in getting at bats and getting experience. What's the balance between guys resting and staying healthy and taking a little bit of a physical break in the summer versus we need them to go play, we need them to go pitch, we need them to get at bats? It's a great question, and and usually, you know, from the pitching standpoint, it just goes down to innings and what what we think their workload was in the springtime. So, you know, if if, if a guy was used a lot, pitched a lot, you know, he's not going to go pitch in the summertime, uh, you know, unless it's you know something like Team USA or something like that, to where we feel where it's it's minimal innings uh, and uh, it's really one of those honors that you're going to remember the rest of your life. But to go pitch in a Cape or the Northwoods League, where you're going to you know, and pitch, you know, every every week and log some innings, 
usually that's going to happen to the you know the guys that redshirted or had an injury and are coming back that didn't pitch you know didn't have the workload during the year position player it really just depends on how they feel you know uh, physically you know a lot has to do with you know we think you know Tim Elko became the player that he became because of summer baseball and because of the Northwoods League and how long that league is and how many at bats you know that you can get in that league so you know sometimes you know that the, they need those at bats to, to be able to be uh, prepared to be ready you know for SEC play the next year last thing for you coach six games left in the regular season trying to fight your way into Hoover for the for the SEC tournament very little margin for error at this point what's the what's the mindset for your team going into these last two weeks well, you know, I think uh, everybody knows that you got to win. Every game is paramount, and, uh, you know, um, and you know, nobody knows the math because you don't know, you know, what the other teams are going to do. But uh, you can only control what you can control. So you got to win as many games as you can. And you know, we were um, not as bad a situation, but a similar situation where last year, where yeah, you, know, you just got to put the blinders on. Don't don't look at the scoreboard. Just try to take care of your business the best you can. Mike, thanks as always for your time. Good catching up. All right, Richard, thanks. Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. And, you know, a couple of those guys not getting back. Udermark sounds like he's done for the year. Obviously, Hunter Elliott is done for the year. If you're Ole Miss, you hope you're getting Braden Jones, Mitch Morrell back, but kind of wait and see on that. And uh, I think Clarko was dealing with some, I think it was a, Back so oblique, I think, is what they said the injury was, and so we'll have to kind of wait and see what that was. He had Will Furness. What is the opposite his absence of embarrassment of riches? Because that's the injury situation for Ole Miss right now. Yeah, whatever the exact opposite of that phrase is, disaster, uh, delight <laughs> of poverty. Yeah, <laughs> a delight of poverty. Exactly. Mm. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back with you after this. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by my friends at Belk Ford. Belk Ford on Highway 6 in Oxford. Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. If you're looking for a new Ford or Toyota vehicle, stop by their location on Highway 6. You can also visit them online at BelkFord.net. New interest rates came out just a few days ago from Ford, and that includes 3.9% for 60 months with approved credit on new Ford F-150s and 0% for 36 months if you're looking for a shorter-term payment. Their lot is full. You know about the um, kind of the shortage of vehicles that has been out there. It's been hard to find, uh, especially new F-150s. If you've been looking for them for the last year, year and a half, well, they've got plenty to choose from right now, whether it's uh, one with a Lariat trim package or the XLT 
or maybe you're looking for one of the specialty packages, the trimmer or the rattler, they've got them all on the lot at Belk Ford. You can get behind the wheel and test drive one today. They're going to treat you like family when you walk through the door as well. Uh, you are not just another person that's coming in. They're going to find out what you're looking for and try and help you find the truck or the SUV or the car that you are looking for. Great selection of used cars as well. Plus service after the sale, whether it's oil changes or tire rotations or something that is more serious than that, they can take care of you at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Stop by and give them a visit today. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us this afternoon. The injury situation, I mean, we talked about it before the break. So you have Calarco, who's out for the weekend, Hunter Elliott, who is out for the year, and we'll see if Calarco is back this weekend for Ole Miss as they uh, they host Auburn in their final home series of the year. Mitch Morrell, Mike Bianco said the good kind of soreness in a forearm, not necessarily the kind that's on the underside where you worry about it being UCL-related. That certainly is the hope for now. Mitch Morrell has been kind of the most reliable piece out of the bullpen for Ole Miss this year. Uh, Judd Utermark probably out for the year. That happened on the collision at the plate when Ole Miss got the walk-off win against Georgia in Game 3 two weekends ago. Kind of an awkward slide. He and the catcher for Georgia, Fernandez, I think, kind of collided at home plate. It's just been one after another after another. And expecting yeah. Riley Maddox to be like at full strength when he comes back after a year off from, from uh, not so much full strength, but like ready to pitch in high-leverage situations when he hasn't pitched in over a year. And the last time he did, he was a true freshman. Probably a lot to ask there as well. So the combination of not always playing great, having the imbalance of pitching well but having a tough night offensively or having a great night offensively but not being able to get outs. I mean, you score nine runs in an SEC game in game one of a series, you're supposed to win it. You should. I mean, like, it, like 98 times out of 100, you win that game. And, and how often has it happened this year? I mean, the, the doubleheader with Florida being another example where offensively they did enough to win. Uh, you can point to a lot of games this season. I mean, injuries, including the injuries, where a player two here, and, you know, ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But, but they've been close. They've had the opportunities, and they did not seize them. I do find some of the discourse uh, I find to be uh, a little disingenuous, on, uh, honestly, around this program and specifically Mike Bianco. Now, I don't know how many people actually think like this, but it's some because I've heard from him saying things like he should retire or he can't turn this around or the game has changed, <laughs> stuff like that, you know? Uh, I even had somebody ask me at what point this season will it get to where Keith Carter decides to make a change. And I said at no point this season or next season. Um, unless you want to start writing multi-million dollar checks, it ain't happening regardless. But this is the first truly bad season in over two decades. The, the gripe against Mike Bianco last season before they happened to win a national championship was remarkably consistent program lacking postseason success. One, at the highest level. At the highest level. They've hosted regionals and been to super regionals. But but not enough trips to Omaha. Right. But but in 23 years, they've had, this will be the first truly bad team, truly bad season. And the injuries aren't the only reason why this has been the case. They've been bad in the field in spots. 
They've disappeared at times offensively, oddly enough, in the third game of series, which doesn't make sense. Uh, You've had some regression from guys that have been in your program for a while at the plate. Things like that. But to, to suggest that Mike Bianco has lost it after one regular season with an inordinate amount of injuries I think is not fair to Mike Bianco. And again, I don't know how many people actually think that. Maybe it's few, but I've heard from those few, and I think they're wrong. Now, some adapting is going to have to occur. The landscape is changing some. I would recommend that they tamper. And that's probably not something that he would want to do because he he does things the right way. But they probably need to start tampering and, and start right now. He <laughs> Straight up, you know, I recommend that they tamper. I would recommend that. If, if they want to fill the eight holes that are going to be in the roster after this season, not all of them are going to come from the recruiting class or currently on the team. Uh, be more progressive when it comes to asking for NIL money. Things like that. But if you think at 55 years old, Mike Bianco doesn't know how to field a roster that is competitive in the SEC, I think you're crazy. And there are too many people that think that he has lost that ability. I think that's well said. I, I agree with you. They're, uh, but but they've got questions that they've got to find answers to in the offseason, right? I mean, who's, who's going to fill out that everyday lineup? With the position guys, Michael Borski suggests tampering to uh, to do that. Maybe not for and, Mike himself, but you know. And and look, I mean, the other piece of it is <laughs> you need to, and this is what everybody wants, right? Everybody wants an arm we, out of the. Portal. We all having conversations like this back when Freeze was doing stuff. What's going on here? Game game has changed, man. <laughs> I guess, man. Jeez, please. Hmm. I think everybody should follow the rules. I just want to make that clear from my perspective as yeah. best they can. Uh-huh. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't but, hey, Dad, I mean, it's, yeah, there are questions that have got to be answered surrounding the Ole Miss program, but they are largely mm-hmm. personnel-based, personnel, player personnel-based. And now there are questions that have to be answered around the Mississippi State program as well, and it's a combination of player personnel, but also coaching personnel, Um, specifically assuming that Chris Limonis is back next year. Who's going to be his pitching coach? And are they going to take any kind of a different approach in recruiting? You heard him talk about the recruiting class that they have, keeping an eye on the draft for this upcoming year and how that might have an effect. So we'll uh, we'll see. But... The bigger question is what you just said, assuming Chris Lamonis is coming back. And that's an assumption at this point. You know, and it just is. And I don't know which way Zach Selman is leaning. Uh, but he's going to have a decision to make, especially if these, I mean, if these last few games go the way you think they will and state finishes on a 13 game losing streak. And, you know, that's sandwiched, you know, in between a, uh, uh, what a 17-game losing streak going back to last year that that came into this year in SEC play. Somebody had a really good uh, stat for Mississippi State baseball. So since State was left Oxford last year, eight and ten. Since that time, they're seven and twenty, seven and thirty, seven twenty-nine now in SEC play. And two of those wins are against Ole Miss again. So that's a. That's a really telling statistic about how bad it's been 
for Mississippi State. They're, they're uncompetitive. They were run ruled for the fifth time this year. I remember when that run rule, when we first started talking about it, I was like, I don't know about that. I, just, I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm so thankful for it now. I mean, it saved me a lot of time. I got out of there early on Saturday. It was great. So it's just it's just been a painful two seasons now for Mississippi State. And I'll, I'll be totally honest. I mean, I talked about this on the podcast, and so I'll talk about it here. You know, I've lived this this story before with Jackie Sherrill. You know, they, he had the one bad year. Okay, Jackie will turn it around. He'll be fine the next year. He has two bad years, and then they don't pull the plug. How many coaches get three seasons? How many coaches have two, not bad seasons, not, you know, okay, they're like a three seed in a regional. These are two last place seasons, and they get another chance. Not a lot, especially at programs that like to fancy themselves as elite, top-tier programs. Who else would put up with this? Could could Jay Johnson do it? Could Bianco do it? We'll find out, I guess. Could 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 O'Sullivan do it? Corbin do it? Van Horn? No. I don't think they could. But the complicating factor is just two years ago there was a national championship. I get that. And I understand that, you know. O'Sullivan won the national title in 17. If he had gone last place, 18 and 19, would he still be the head coach at Florida? I don't think he would be. I don't know the answer to that. I don't. Sports Talk, it certainly would have been uncomfortable going into that yeah. next season. I mean, I mean, there was some pressure on Kevin O'Sullivan going into – Coming into this year. year. I mean, they were coming into this yeah. year. Things had kind of gotten a little stale there and felt like there needed to be a turnaround. We'll wrap it up with you coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. Super Talk Mississippi. Like the legend of the Phoenix, all ends with beginnings. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us one last time. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Double-decker in the rearview mirror. Graduation weekend is coming up. So another busy weekend with home baseball this weekend as well. Check out Visit Oxford's website and their social media accounts, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and uh, Twitter to uh, keep up with everything that is going on in and around Oxford. That's visit OxfordMS.com. I was reading on D1 Baseball this morning, Kendall Rogers did a a hot board for Alabama. And obviously Alabama is in the market for uh, for a new baseball coach. And so they're kind of working through that process. And there were some interesting names that uh, that popped up. And I thought some, some pretty good names as well. And maybe it's kind of what you would expect if you look at the, the top 25 or, you know, the top whatever in the ERA 
and you look at guys that are not at SEC jobs, you kind of could put together a list. These were the names that he had on, on the list. For Alabama, now remember, Alabama is the second to lowest paying head baseball job in the SEC, or at least it was with Brad Bohannon. He was making less than $500,000 a year, and you've got Steve Beezer at Missouri that was making like four fifty or four seventy or something like that. So like I said to you guys last week, Alabama's got to decide if they're committed. Like, do they care about playing baseball at a high level? And are they going to go get a coach that, that qualifies for that, or are they just going to go get somebody? Cliff Godwin on the list says this would qualify as an absolute slam dunk, but the question is, would Godwin leave East Carolina? I'm under the impression that unless a premier SEC job comes open, he's content to stay at his alma mater. Justin Hare at Campbell. He's 42 years old, and Campbell's been good. They're going to probably make the NCAA tournament again. They've made four straight NCAA tournaments. Every single year, Dan Hefner's name at Dallas Baptist pops up on job boards, and he just keeps on staying put at Dallas Baptist. I'm not sure why Kendall put Dan McDonald's name on this hot board. I, I, the the idea. The call. I mean, sure. He's yeah. turned down much better jobs than that one. That's true. By the way, Kendall, don't mix your metaphors. All right, it's a grand slam hire, not a slam dunk hire. We're talking about baseball here. Chris Pollard at Duke. Great hire. They've been good. They've been really, really good. Yeah. Maybe the most interesting name on this list is Troy Tulowitzki. He was huh. a graduate assistant for a couple of years at Texas under David Pierce, stepped away from the program. He's been doing some consulting work. He went back and got his undergraduate degree, finished that up. That's just like a prerequisite. you got to have a degree if you're going to be a head college, uh, head baseball coach in college. And so it's going to be interested, uh, interesting really? to see. Yes. Yeah. Because it technically is, it's an, it's just like a high school position. It's a, it's in, it's education. You have to have a college degree. You have to have to a, a college, college degree coach. to be a college sports coach? Mm-hmm. Because you're, I mean, you're a state employee. There are state employees that don't have degrees, aren't there? Yeah, but not sure, making not in teaching thousand dollars a year. Not well, in teaching positions. It's not a teaching position. I mean, that's what it is. It is it is technically a teaching position. That's crazy. And it's Dad, very I have no hard. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would hope like so. University of Phoenix and, could give them a certificate or something if, well, if you really need George it. George O'Leary would also encourage you not to lie up on your resume. Yeah, right about that. Wow. Remember? He Justin lost another name job because of what? A lie about a master's degree? Something like that, yeah. Oh, you don't lie about a master's degree. Just you don't have one. Big deal. Yeah. You're a coach. The other Justin uh, so, Hare is the name that that it keeps coming up for on Mississippi State message boards as well. If if yeah. they were going to replace Lamotis, that's the guy they would like to see at the top. Tulowitzki, by the way, turned down the Southern Cal job last year. Didn't want to go west. Yeah. Um, Tom Walter at Wake Forest. Wake Forest has moved to number one in the country. Rob Vaughn at Maryland. So. Those are just some of the names that he threw out as possibilities for the Alabama job. So we'll see where uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, interesting times, and this this sports wagering thing just continues to be. I mean, it, it we've gone in a week's time from oh, who cares? It's college baseball to oh, wow, that's a big story. To oh, they fired Brad Bohannon, and there's more that hasn't come out about that. And now you've got an investigation of Iowa baseball. 
with the possibility of multiple multiple Iowa baseball players who've been held out of games because of potential sports gambling issues. And now 15 Iowa State students are expected of sports gambling. I say students, student athletes. Combination of baseball, track and field, wrestling, etc. I'm just wondering if ADs all over the country are going, holy cow, we've got to really dig into this. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. Appreciate Scott Berry, Chris Lamonis, and Mike Bianco joining us on the Farm Bureau guest lines for Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. Have a good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.